don't miss the meetings about meetings about meetings. I had six head coaches in 14 years. Culturally, we were probably lost for a few years. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Subscribe to the rugby channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. The Six Nations Show on OTB Sports Radio. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team, we all belong to the team of us. It's spinning! It's spinning! Can you come on and talk about Ireland's attack shape? It's really exciting. Go on, Ireland! I've never seen a team like Ireland before. We all still think to this day that it's the right call and we're the ones out on the pitch. OTB Sports Radio. All right, welcome along to the Six Nations show. Nathan with you this evening. Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent is in studio. Evening, Rory. Hey, Nathan. And Louise Galvin should be on the line. Evening, Louise. Good evening, Nathan. Hi, Rory. Hey, Louise. So we are all building up to Saturday at Twickenham. 4.45 kickoff Ireland against England in the Six Nations. Andy Farrell, this lunchtime, named his squad that will travel, as expected. Well, wholesale changes from the game against Italy. But Johnny Sexton is back in the starting 15 alongside Jameson Gibson-Park at halfback. Bundiaki restored to the midfield to partner Gary Ringrose, while Andrew Conway and Hugo Keenan come into the backfield alongside James Lowe. So Mac Hansen and Robbie Henshaw uh, drop out of the side. Henshaw is on the bench. Uh, Hansen isn't going to be involved. Uh, then in the pack, Keane Healy, as expected, comes into the front row alongside Dan Sheehan and Tyg Furlong. Tyg Byrne and James Ryan line out in the second row. And then Peter O'Mahony, Josh van der Fleer and Caelan Doris make up the back row. Doris at number eight. Jack Conan only among the replacements. Ian Henderson also there as well, and a really experienced replacements bench. Uh, Rory, there's a lot of changes, a lot of talking points. Uh, some of those changes were expected, but Bundiaki ahead of Robbie Henshaw, Andrew Conway coming in ahead of Mac Hansen. Is that the way it had been looking all week? Yeah, I think the, the Aki one in particular was well flagged because Robbie Henshaw, for all that he is exceptional and was Ireland's best player last year, just because of the different interruptions to his season hasn't hit the heights this year and and when he got his opportunity against Italy he just didn't quite nail it and it's fair enough it would be very um, difficult to take Aki out of the team and reward Henshaw for that performance Um, and having him on the bench is you know we worry about Ireland having impact on the bench well Robbie Henshaw is someone who can come on and change a game with with 25 minutes to go so that's that's a sensible call I think Conway and Matt Hansen that was a toss of the coin really but Conway played very well in those first two games Um, I know we got bounced by, by by the French at one stage, but everyone had a bit of a defensive scare in that game. But I think that that, that makes sense t- to me, considering the way England played. They're a kick-heavy team. I think that backfield coverage, all that sort of thing, um, will be important. And you have to have James Lowe on the team because of his left-footed clearing option. He takes pressure off the team. So I think they're both the sensible calls. The one that I would probably not have gone with myself, I can see the rationale behind it, is the O'Mahony to six call. I probably would have liked to see seen Ty Byrne there, Ian Henderson starting in the row. Um, they've gone for O'Mahony. He captained the team against Italy. He obviously ran things well that week. He's a great line-out option against matches up reasonably well to Courtney Laws. I mean, you're tossing coins here. Like they're all good players. They're all in reasonable form. It's just a personal preference. But that that was the one that I I worry at the start of this tournament. Ireland had such power in their their, their carrying mm. game, and they've, they've lost Porter Kelleher, and now they're taking Conan out of the back row. I lo- I worry a little bit about that part of the game. Louise, does that suggest anything different in terms of the game plan and what we should expect from Ireland this week? Um, I suppose first of all just I agree uh, with a lot of what Rory said there as well in terms of kind of where the thinking is behind uh, a lot of those selections um, I, yeah I think certainly they're 
although you know Peter Mahoney's even said you, you don't go and say okay we need to just win set piece to win Twickenham it's going to be a massive battle all over the field in the open field whether it be in the air or whether it be set piece um, but I think what it does say particularly with O'Mahony's selection is they are targeting um, certainly around that line at that we don't want to concede ball and we don't want we want to make sure we can push some much pressure on them as well Um I think what was interesting is what Caden Doris mentioned earlier in the week in that what they, he may have learned from um, playing England over in Twickenham particularly, um, that you know you can't just put your head down and take a player on when you're in the centre of those pods and maybe get tackled by two men and lose gain line. And then, as we know, the knock-on effect of that is huge as the game develops um, and about being smarter about using their tip-on passes, their pluses, their minuses. So even that little comment shows that although you have to earn the right to play wide, and um, you know against Italy when the match kind of descended with the the numerical advantage that we have, we probably went a bit a bit wide a bit early. Um, we certainly have to earn the right to win that game line. They're looking at how they're going to do it, so it's not necessarily about fronting up and just taking on whatever's in front of you, but but about being a little bit smarter about where maybe those soft shoulders lie about using those tip-on passes a little bit more. Um, and that's where, you know, we've seen a lot more of our forwards getting involved in that kind of level of open play, stepping into first receiver. Obviously, you know, Ty Furlong, we've spoken a lot about how he has done it so well, um, but that, that it's not a case of just running straight into brick walls. So I think that is another kind of indication, even from Caitlin Doris, about what way Ireland are, are thinking coming into this game, because it's quite an experienced English pack that they're coming up against as well. Um, in terms of our selection, I think besides the front row, we are we probably don't have ever in that hundred percent full form. Like obviously Johnny's just coming back, and as you mentioned, Robbie Henshaw he's just been interrupted after a really good summer at the lines as well with um, different injuries and picking up concussion. And that, um, but besides the front row, we'd be fairly fairly strong group to be picking from, and that's that's a positive as well. That this may not be. Um, the team that Andy Farrell always goes with, but it's a bit of a horses for courses, certainly. Does that suggest, Rory, that the focus on training this week has been on the set piece, has been on the line-out, has been getting those basics right, that that's the real area that Andy Farrell has looked at? Well, I think I, I don't think it's the only area. I, I, we've, as Louise touched on, you know, I know Mahoney said himself today, you, you can't just focus on those. The game is too varied to, to, to kind of hone in on one area, but when you have a team that has... Maro Atoje, Charlie Ewells and um, Courtney Laws on the blind side you have three viable line-out options you also have Jamie George who's an excellent hooker throwing into the game you've got a very strong scrummaging pack as well you need to at least match up or, and try and get dominance in, in that area um, Ireland have a very young and experienced but very talented hooker playing on, on, on Saturday in Dan Sheehan so they need to support him as well by putting experienced forwards there who know how to do it you know, who know how to secure, secure their own ball who can think their way around it like I told you will hunt them in the line out and he's done a job on Ireland in the past he's, he'll have help Laws is a really effective operator as well so yeah it's not the only focus but I think it'll, it has to be I think any time you play against the best teams in the world in England for all that they're not in great form at home it's still one of the great tests of, mm. of, of, of world rugby so you, you've got to get that right and Ireland score a lot of their tries offline out and if that goes wrong then they'll be in real trouble so they need to have nailed that and O'Mahony is 
a line out leader in, in in that way and he's brilliant at you know at poaching opposition ball as well. If you think back to I think it's the twenty seventeen game um against England at, at the Aviva Stadium, he like it was his introduction that got him on the lines tour. Yeah. You know, he ended up captain the lines based on his defensive line lineup performance there. So um I think he's there for the breakdown as well. The breakdown was a big problem in Paris. It was a big problem against Italy as well, although you know it, it didn't become an issue because Italy weren't strong enough and didn't have enough numbers on the pitch to make it. But like you're not protecting your own ball. Omani's a very good you know, first arrival player. He might not be as uh, you know sparkly as Conan and loose, but he he'll hit a lot of rooks for you. And I think maybe they're under resource in the rooks as well. So that's a focus for them. I think as in as much as the as the um, line out in the scrum have to be as well. Louis, the breakdowns an area where Ireland have got rave reviews at times over the last couple of years. But as Rory said, against France, maybe understandable, but less so against Italy, where, you know, listen, I don't know how much we can read into it, considering it was a bit of a dead rubber after about 20 minutes. Uh, what would you diagnose has been Ireland's problem at the break- breakdown over the last couple of games? Yeah, and again, we don't want to create too much of a, an issue over this. I mean, if you're, I know this has become the, the stat of Six Nations 2022, but we're still leading this uh, rock speed race that apparently is. Um, nearly worth bonus points at the end of the season the way it's, it's been reported at the moment but we are uh, we are getting to these we're getting that we're, I think we're the only team at less than three seconds on average of, of rock speed um, so we are getting there quickly we are shifting that ball away I think maybe against Italy again you come away from your systems and your structures a little bit when number one you have a number of changes number two even though everyone's trying to play as a team everyone's trying to stand out and put their hand up and say, yeah, I want to be selected against England in two weeks' time again. And then you're thinking of this, all the space over the backfield. So maybe again, guys were reneging on just securing ball because they wanted to be for a second receiver and hope they were going to go through a gap particularly. Um, but I don't. I expect that we'll pay a lot more attention to that area um, on Saturday. And against France, again, it's a bit of maybe naivety in that we were we played to their power game or we let them bully us a little bit um, around the breakdown. And, you know, I think even Ken and Doris moving to, to eight in terms of for our own work speed, I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to be um, carrying ball because if he's getting that gain line like he did, he did particularly well in terms of metres carried against Italy. Um, again, that'll help us to get over the gain line and, um, and move that ball away quickly again. But we have to be incredibly careful it's, even England against Wales last week. I mean, Wales actually outscored them or two weeks ago or last week. Yeah, last week. Two weeks, two weeks ago. <laughs> sorry, we had a week off. We had a week off. Um, Wales actually outscored them three tries to one, but Marcus Smith um, tipping over penalties and a lot of them were from uh, rock penalties from, again, Laws Atoje coming in, making an absolute mess of the breakdown. So, that's going to be very well um, publicised this week in Irish camp and Andy Farrell it's going to be all over them in terms of and Paul O'Connell as well in terms of what they can do to prevent this mess at the breakdown where it's well within our capabilities it's just a bit more of maybe a focus compared to you know you go to any game you might have three things that you really focus on against a particular team and for us protecting our ball against this particular English team moving away quickly and like again coming back to that you can take that a step back, two steps back to your carries, not getting isolated, not picking up, picking battles where you're up against a 1v2, where again, your support players has to come in laterally and try and, and, and make sure they're coming in through the gate. So it, it always goes back a few steps in terms of, of on your own ball. Um, but I think it'll be a particular focus for the Irish squad on Saturday. And 
once we can secure that and keep our rugby going, we know we can and play with that tempo that Jameson Gibson Park brings, um, then that's where hopefully we get to see this exciting backline get unleashed. Yeah, it was just, just it was interesting. Ross Hamilton, the the analyst um, who's done some really good work in the Six Nations, pointed out that not only do Ireland have the quickest rook speed, they also commit the fewest numbers to it, which is a great... When it works, it's amazing because you've got more attackers on your feet than everyone else. But I think France and Italy both spotted that and tried to exploit it. And if you think of Taufa Fanua blasting through the Irish rook to, to create that opportunity, I think it was for Bayes' try towards the end of that game in Paris, you know... I think maybe they need to, like maybe sacrifice that one attacker to secure that ball. That maybe you know when you've got a Toje, you've got um, the, the the forwards that England have to come and attack your breakdown as Louise has touched on, um, like they did it against Wales. That's where you may run into problems, and you might have to sacrifice one of your one member of one of your pods just to make sure that you're not getting turned over. And they're even just slowing the, the ball down for Gibson Park because Ireland have been vulnerable there the last couple. And weeks. is that something you just expect Andy Farrell to learn quite quickly from the France game that you can't read too much into Italy because again he can't afford to take those risks against Italy but actually the comparison is more the learnings are all from France I think yeah I think France is definitely the one that they'll have taken a lot more from I mean Italy was pretty much an hour of garbage time because it was against 13 men it was just and uncontested scrums which meant that the Italian defenders were much were less tired you know but um you would hope that they're well I suppose that what they what they want is a balance they don't want to lose that attacking edge that was so potent against Wales and in November and if you take one of like even one attacker out of your, your line you may lose that advantage because you've one less defender to, one less player for the defenders to worry about but there's no point in having that man out there if you don't win your own mm. ball so do you get more efficient and more effective for your two men? Do you expect more of them? And you, you kind of ram that home in the training. Is Paul O'Connell now drilling those first two arrivers to be better at protecting themselves from the counter rook? That's you know we'll see that on, on Saturday. To be, to be honest, uh, I wish that, I'd that's something you can tell in the first two minutes. You should be, yeah, yeah. I mean, it might only take one rook for it mm. to all come crashing down, but it, you you will know the physical tone will be set early in this game. Uh, and if it does, Louise, I, I think as well. Sorry, uh, in relation to that point, territory is important. Like again, Wales three minutes into that game um, they get a turnover they, they get a penalty and Thomas Williams taps and goes and then Cuthbert gets um, gets isolated I think it's, um, I'm not exactly sure who turned over the ball and Mark Smith is first three points on the board but I don't expect Ireland to do that unless something is in, incredibly on I mean we're going to we're going to have an exit plan from there we're going to kick the line and use our line out so again like this isn't um, a brilliant English team at the same time in that I don't know Eddie Jones knows his best team. I mean, even if you look at, like, obviously, they tried to bring back Tulagi. Um, unfortunately for him, massive injury concerns again. Hamstring went. He brings Daly in for Marchant. Now he's swapping Marchant back in for Daly. He doesn't really know who his best team is. He's a mix of, you know, he's trying to more blend the, the newer players. And there's a lot of guys there, like, particularly, obviously, Randall and Smith. I think we need to target them because they're the more inexperienced guys and you know Smith he gets an arm to ride against against Italy um, he's picking up player of the match awards like the new time but we need to put him under a lot of pressure we need to put Randall under a lot of pressure to see how they're going to cope um, with this with that kind of defensive line speed that, that Ireland have been bringing We've known for a while that uh, Porter and Kelleher weren't going to be playing. It's Keen Healy and Dan Sheehan who come in. I think everyone expected Sheehan. Keen Healy is going to win his 115th cap. It's felt that Keen Healy's been sort of a 20 minute man for a couple of years at this stage. Uh, they'll be expecting him, presuming 55, 60 minutes. It's, what? what is he, 34 at this stage? 34, and he's a massive amount of mileage on the clock. I mean, he, you know, it's 115 caps. It's how many games for Leinster. I think we were writing him off about six years ago. But I mean, he wrote, he was, the doctors wrote him mm. off. He was, he was advised to retire in 2004. 
14 or 15 and, and he, he with a neck problem and I think he had the papers in front of him and didn't sign decided to go again and he you know it took him a long time to get back from that injury you know made it to the World Cup that year but it was the following year he had a kind of a renaissance in his career and he is still a very 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 good loose, loose head prop but he's coming in for like and, and 10 years ago he was Andrew Porter he was able to do many of the things that Andrew Porter was able to do he ran over Man Anu in that 2013 game and was like at a time when Man Anu was at his peak he's not that player anymore he is much more you know and this is not this might sound insulting to him but I think at this stage of career, he's more meeting meeting two edge uh, you know he, he will he will hit his rooks he will carry in in the tight he will scrummage very well but Porter is X-Factor but Porter is one of these players who can do it all he's a very you know prototype modern prop and as part of that Kelleher furlong porter axis that was so potent Sheehan is as athletic as Keller he's maybe not as good a scrummager he's more like for like but then you're bringing Rob Herring off the bench who doesn't do what Dan Sheehan does very good line out operator very good scrummager hits a lot of rooks but he doesn't touch the ball very often and that's where you're losing things and then you've got Dave Kilcoyne stepping in who in 2019 was you know was really really quality but we haven't seen him at this level for a while he can get back there but he's also aging at this stage of his career as well so you know that's where I think you know, you looked at that eight that Ireland had at the start of the tournament that you thought every one of them is, an, is a ball-carrying option. I think now you're back to six of them are ball-carrying options. And when you start using your bench, you get less, you get fewer and fewer yeah. ball-carrying options. And that's where I'm a bit concerned about the weekend because that's where Ireland's strength was built on in November. Healy, an incredible servant and still has a role to play for Ireland. But it's a bit of an indictment of the depth below Andrew Porter now that that there isn't someone younger and fitter who can come in and start in his place. And they're still got two guys in their thirties as their starter and a guy coming off the bench. Um, they'll do a job. I don't see them being the issue in the scrum or anything like that. But I do think it weakens Ireland in the attack. We do build these depth charts, and because of that, Louise often say that Ireland have a lot of depth because we can name the four or five players in every position who would fill in if somebody's missing. It it, it does show that there are very specific parts of the pitch though that Ireland do lack some depth in. And listen, Keane Healy's legacy isn't going to be we're not going to make or break it on what happens this week. But like to lose two players of that quality it does feel as though there's a big step down in an area that we haven't massively focused on because we haven't had to because they've been sort of bulletproof over the last while yeah definitely and I think I mean you can obviously go through provinces and it's not that we don't have um, potentials there but I think again it's it's the drop down from number one number two and then again when your two becomes your one so like your keen Healy becoming your starter and your Dave Kilcoyne coming in behind then it's a case of what who who is next in line or who is after them and how much experience or exposure have they had. I mean, the one positive you could say is in terms of balance, like Dan Sheehan doesn't have a lot of experience, um, but he's um, seriously athletic, explosive um, athlete. And then Keen Healy can balance that, at least coming in, that he has so much experience and he is so solid. It's more how much his body can take and how, how, how he's going to last the pace over there because England are... You can imagine they're going to target our front row or front five. Um, but at least there's a little bit of balance there even between them and obviously Ty Furlong being such a world-class um, tight head that we have. Then it's it's obviously brilliant having him still there. But at least there is that little bit of a balance there that we're not picking two um, up-and-coming but inexperienced guys in the guise of Sheehan or two particularly maybe coming towards the end of their career guys um, and that we're not getting much impact off the bench either uh, I think then that leads to the kind of the, the second row 
discussion in terms of a lot of people are pushing for Henderson to come back in just because yeah it's that extra bit of um, physicality but then trying to find a place for Ty Byrne who's just hasn't put a foot wrong um, and I know people are calling for him to go to go to six and hold on to James Ryan and again there's question marks even over James Ryan position which is unheard of nearly two years ago when he was considered a, a nailed on Lions and the next Irish captain incumbent so again like one word that Andy Farrell alluded to in his press conferences about the balance and he's looked at the balance of this whole squad and particularly I think that that front eight and trying to I suppose target the areas that he feels Ireland can exploit England and likewise trying to negate any weaknesses so that England can't come back and attack Ireland like in areas such as the breakdown and the the line out that we've already already um, touched on um, but I think yeah the first few scrums are going to be a huge turning point for the game um, on Saturday to see how we get on because I do think England are going to try and that's where they're going to try and really put the squeeze on because once you start going you know behind Smith I think England are probably a little bit more worried about our back line particularly if we do get that front football but I think it's, it's up front it's where they're going to try and run over the top of us Just on James Ryan like Louise touched on it there two years ago he would have said nailed on for the Lions maybe a contender for a Lions captaincy certainly on a par with Amaro Toje do you look at the two of them now and say they're on a par I don't think he ever quite got to being on par with Toje I think like he was in 18 he was the dominant force in the Six Nations in his position that's four years ago now he's he's still very very good but Toje I think scaled even higher heights I mean he's a two, ta- two sorry two series Lion you know I mean not in 17 and in 2021 he was very very good on the Lions tour he's got to a World Cup final and you know two of the greatest individual performances I've ever seen live were Atoje in the 2017 sorry yeah the 2017 Lions win over New Zealand in Wellington and then this World Cup semi-final win over New Zealand in uh, Yokohama like he was just incredible in those games and I don't think ever, Ryan has ever dominated a game in the, in the same way but they're different players well, I think with, with Ryan Henderson and Byrne they really should be all going for the one spot they're all number five locks and what you want we don't have number fours like we've trying to be signed you know if you think of Quinn Rue Jean Klein mm. were signed they're those big scrummaging locks that, that are, are there to kind of provide this, the size the tractor locks like Paul Valem Silver in France Ireland don't produce athletes of that size Leinster are really excited about a guy called Joe McCarthy who's coming through because he has that profile otherwise we kind of sign them from overseas what we're doing is we're trying to make it work with, with players of the same profile Henderson is the closest thing to that and really I think if Henderson was flying you would, it would be one Henderson plus one usually Ryan but Byrne is playing so so well that's really hard to leave him out of the team even though he's probably the lightest of the three in terms of that scrummaging side in terms of hitting rooks as a first arriver and shifting the, the, those rooks in the way of a Taufa Fanu or a Valemsu Ireland just don't have a player of that size so that's why people are talking about putting Byrne to six and I like that idea I think that really could work for Ireland because he has a breakdown threat as well Ultimately, we just need to kind of have you know have bigger children, and eighteen years time we bring them all through. But like we just genetically don't have that profile of player. McCarthy, there's a lot of a lot of hope on, but like you're you know there's still a lot of you know it's, it, there's a lot of time before he comes through. Otherwise, you look at the academies. We produce loads of those number five locks. Ryan Byrne, um, sorry Ryan Byrne, Henderson, and, and Ryan Baird are all really good number five locks, but they're not that kind of big tractor scrummaging number four. And that's How much where bigger they, they need to be? 
a little bit bigger, but it, it's a big difference. It's more about their power. It's it's, it's the power to weight ratio, all that sort of stuff that they bring through. You, you want your your that scrummaging lock of being around 120 kilos plus. Like Valemps is enormous. You know, Taufan Fanu is enormous. They're, these are just we don't like. You know, I think Neil Francis has written before that he was the the biggest baby born in Ireland in 1970, whatever. And like that's kind of what you need. You just need yeah. to get these massive men, but also have the athletic prowess and and, and fast switch tires. All those things that come together, plus your rugby playing ability to be able to, to kind of develop a world-class lock and we just don't have that's not our genetic profile and, and we kind of need a kind of once-in-a-generation player they're hoping that's going to be McCarthy but I think that's probably the next World Cup cycle uh, All our rugby and off the ball is with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us it is the Six Nations show Nathan with you this evening Rory O'Connor is in studio Louise Galvin on the line as well looking at the back line Louise uh, Mac Hansen is the eye-catching one in terms of missing out not in the match day 23 uh, Andrew Conway's back in would you go along with Rory that uh, I suppose Mac Hansen took the headlines as a new player coming through providing the finishing touch getting the tries but that Conway actually had done well in those first couple of games and his experience means he needs to be back in yeah I would I go along with that look I don't think Mac Hansen has done anything wrong he took the opportunities that were afforded him um but I guess it's not that if we even take bring James Lowe into the conversation, um, James Lowe didn't miss out because he lost form. He missed out because of injury at the beginning, which afforded Mac Hansen the opportunity. Um, and I definitely think when you're, again, talking about Ireland controlling that territory, using James Lowe's left boot is going to be um, a huge part of the game again. The last day, I know previously when he first broke onto the squad, there was question marks over his defensive capabilities. But as he as he literally did into the camera after the New Zealand game, you know, he <laughs> he has um, answered some of his critics in some of his more recent performances. So he deserves to get a shot back in. Um, and then in terms of Andrew Conway, I just think he brings that solidity. He's, for a guy who's not the biggest guy and doesn't seem to have the biggest jump, vertical jump CMJ either, he just makes a contest of every aerial battle that he has in terms of us, if we're putting up contestables. Um, and then from a defensive point of view as well, um, that I think he, it's more the solidity that he offers. Um, and then again, if you have that balance, like if you've low coming in, being that kind of roving, um, like blindside winger coming in as, as much as possible, um, that Hansen did so well, particularly in that first game against Wales. And then you have a bit more of a structured, um, kind of more aerial battle in terms of uh, what Andrew Conway can produce, then there's a bit more maybe balance between maybe going, let's say, for example, Hansen and Lowe. So, I do think that it's as predicted. And as I say, some people forget, with, you know, Hansen got in because of an injury and that player is back and, and he's fit. So, um, on you know, slightly differently with the fours in terms of Jack Cohn and he slightly lost a bit of form, um, particularly in that French game, didn't have one of his best games and that's how he probably got squeezed out a little bit. So, um, I would go with the balance that and, and obviously Hugo Keenan coming back in again was pretty much a cert, um along with Johnny Sexton. So, uh, he was speaking earlier this week. This will be his first, I think, um, full house at Twickenham. <clears throat> he uh, struggled a little bit against England in the was the Autumn Nations Cup, I think, um, last year when Twickenham. And um, he said he certainly learned from that, and he knows they're they're going to target him again. And he he's barely put a foot wrong since either side of the ball. So I've no doubt he's just going to grow more and more um, with this game. Mac Hansen's uh, dropping is good news for Dave McIntyre who's already scripted his return of the Mac when he goes over for a try against Scotland <laughs> it's perfect for the headline writers isn't it? Absolutely yeah no, he, he's a bit of a headline, headline writer's dream are, are we going to get through a full Six Nations show without talking Johnny Sexton Joey Carberry? 
Is there, is there anything to talk about this week? Is there, is there is there any debate? Is there was there any debate? Do you think? I wouldn't think so. I think like when you see Johnny signing on till twenty twenty three, you can now like there's no doubt that he the plan is that he will be fit and firing. Whether that's a good plan or a bad plan. Was he asked about his last time going to Twickenham in the Six Nations? Andy Farrell was asked today, "Is that a factor?" I'm like, I I I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember who asked the questions. So I don't throw anyone under the bus. Well, but, Brian O'Driscoll was saying in his farewell tour was his last time at Rugby. I, I thought Brian made a really good point on that because Johnny, in fact, Johnny actually said at the start of his press conference, "I just wanted to get this done," and so I, this, the questions would stop, and then the press conference became. How do you feel, Johnny? You know, how do you feel about this and this? And by the end, he actually said, "I'm not. I'm not sure. I should have announced this in this week." And Paul O'Connell had this as well. You know, when we had the, I remember going to Cardiff, it was like this is your last time in Cardiff. Mm-hmm. I remember, like this, this is what it becomes. And, and like, well, every every niggle, every injury that Johnny Sexton picks up will be. Is that the last time we see Johnny Sexton on the pitch? Yeah, absolutely. And every time he has a bad game and like it happens from time to time it'll be like God he's you know he's finished you know, is he going to make it so like, I don't know if, it, if, if that's going to affect him I mean it was interesting that Brian said it did um, but in terms of the Joey Carberry there's an argument that Joe, like that maybe the roles will reverse over time and that Johnny Sexton will become the player like in the Italy game who comes on mm-hmm. and, and maintains standards from 20, from 60 to 80 and wins the game for Ireland in, in that role and if you're going to win a World Cup you gotta, you're going to have to win five tier one games in, in five or six weeks um, and you're going to have to rotate those so, so do you think that's like- a possibility because one of the risks with Sexton is that at that age it's very easy to fall off a cliff that you almost wake up one morning and the legs are gone and that the decline is quite swift and suddenly Joey Carberry steps in but if Sexton stays fit if he stays at the level he's at is Joey Carberry good enough to close the gap to justify starting ahead of Johnny Sexton well it's not necessarily just about that you know it, it's about managing Johnny Sexton over a, a tournament. You know, it, it, like if you think what Leinster do when, when they have, in the times where they've had Heineken Cup, um, what is it? It's Pro 14 semi final. They've had Heineken Cup final, Pro 14 semi final, Pro 14 final. They've rested him for the, for the semi final and started Ross Byrne. They've placed their face, faith in Ross Byrne, who the Ireland coaches believe Joey Carby's a better player than, and they've gotten through those games. Maybe Leinster can feel, you know, the level is such that they can get through it without Johnny. If you're going to win a World Cup, Johnny's not going to play. I don't think, like, can you bank on Johnny Sexton at 38 starting five games against South Africa, Scotland, potentially New Zealand? I don't know, England and Australia, for example. You know, I've just picked up off the top of my head, but I think you have to have Carberry ready. Like, the New Zealand tour is probably the time where you do this. Maybe you start Johnny in the first test, you play Joey in the second test, and then Johnny comes back in for the third. But that's going to be part of the conversation, surely. And maybe next week against Scotland, especially if Ireland lose, maybe that's another chance to get um, Joey out there. But for tweaking him away, when he's the club, when he's the squad captain, he's still the best you pick your best players to play like Ireland have only, only 14 Irish teams have ever won in Twickenham mm. it's really really difficult it's going to take something special even though they're favourites and, and they're seen as being a better team than England it's still going to take something special to beat them we don't ever win there easily and I understand why they've gone with Sexton but it, those conversations are going to have to start happening uh, Louise briefly on England we don't need to talk about them because Ireland are such red hot favourites for this game as Eddie Jones said uh, I think you touched on it earlier like, does he know what his best 15 is right now does, is that where the opportunity is for Ireland because it does feel Ireland have got to a level of performance over the last nine months that you like, you can trust them to go to Twickenham and, and produce something with England we're still not quite sure what's going to happen yeah there's an element of that with England obviously starting off with um, losing away to Scotland uh, then a bit of a, a nothing game like a close a 3-0 trouncing of Italy that again we can't really read much into um, and against Wales I mean got up 12-0 scoring just after half time and again the fact they didn't really score any try in that game but they really created 
themselves like it was it was a charge down um by Don Brandt um from an overthrow from Wales that you know could offer a little bit of concern when they were at home as well and letting Wales come back into that game in the manner that they did um so I don't think he knows he's his best 15 or his best 23 um I think he's trying to look at 18 months out from a World Cup um and he's trying to blood new guys he's trying to put fear God into the maybe more experienced guys would realise then he can't completely let them go either. Um, but if they were to lose, which is a very real possibility against Ireland on Saturday, they then go to France, um, a, a French team who more than likely be going to the Grand Slam. And they could again end up with just two wins in the six stations for a second year in a row. And that'll put a huge amount of pressure on them. And that has to be in the back of his head that that is a very real possibility. Um, and I think, you know, even the way he's coming out, trying to big Ireland up such a, a massive amount this week, he's he definitely is feeling the pressure. There's no doubt about it. I know he's quite an enigmatic character. Um, but yeah, they're under a huge amount of pressure and he's trying to take it off the squad and the players themselves. But um, yeah, like an Ireland win, which does look like it's um, certainly, it's not a snore near a guarantee, but it's very much on the cards. Um, that it would put them under a huge, huge amount of pressure as well. He does yeah, so, publicly, mm. Eddie Jones, uh, like to operate in sort of a chaotic way that nobody knows what's going on. Do you think deep down, because he's been in this position before with England where there's been enormous pressure on him, there have been big question marks 18 months out from a World Cup. Do you think he has a better idea of his starting 15, of his 23 inwardly than he, we seem to think from the outside? Certainly, but certainly outwardly, he's quite bullish about the fact that this is all part of the plan and that, you know, it's all about this 2023 project and they're basically reinventing how rugby union attacks work. And he's got this rugby league coach in whose name I've, I've forgotten, but that, you know, that they're basically tearing it all apart and building it all back up with a young pair of halfbacks and a new back line. I think there's only uh, one back who started in Dublin last year, maybe even, maybe even none of them. Um, and he's moved a lot of players on. And there is parallels I think people who watch England closely see parallels between England now and what Ireland were like this time last year and then it all came together for Ireland in that, in that England game and suddenly they, they you know, went nine games unbeaten and looked really really good um, so there is a chance that it's going to click and it's going to click at some stage but they do look quite disorganised the chopping and changing isn't helping you know you don't look at that um, pack and think it's as fierce, as fearsome as, as the previous team you look at that back line and you wonder without two laggy really is there the thrust there so, I don't know. I I find it strange that the the coach, the really highly paid coach of the most powerful rugby nation in the world, is allowed to finish fifth and potentially fourth this year, and is allowed to talk about twenty twenty three as if these games don't matter when they're charging more than a hundred pounds sterling to people to go and watch them in Twickenham. Like these tournaments really do matter to pe- to, to 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 them, and like England should be much higher up like with the resources they have he sh- his job is to harness those resources and at the moment he's not I mean it's very uh, risky to say I'm going to sack all these years off and we're going to go for that one tournament when he's probably going to walk away at the end of it either way whether they get out of their pool or, wi- or win it mm-hmm. he's probably gone out the door it's really weird I can't, I can't he's got so powerful over there it's really really strange so um I think like he's like he's got a very good track record and he's a very smart man I think he probably does have a plan in his head and he's probably going to pull it off to some degree and maybe Saturday's the day but yeah, it's one of those things that until you see it you won't really believe it a bit like we were with Ireland last year uh, Louise thank you as always thanks very much uh, Louise Gavin there Roy O'Connor enjoy the Eddie Jones experience at Twickenham thank you very much Nathan
All right, that is the Six Nations show. The Six Nations show on OTB Sports Radio. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team, we all belong to the team of us. It's spinning! It's spinning! Can you come on and talk about Ireland's attack shape? It's really exciting. I've never seen a team like Ireland before. We all still think to this day that it's the right call and we're the ones out on the pitch. OTB Sports Radio.